0: Thank you for tuning into this week's message. For more information about Connections Church, you can go to connectionschurch.church or follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Well, I don't know about you, but I'm glad I woke up and came to church this morning, right? I think uh, a few more of you need to uh, do something about that. I'm glad I woke up, came to church this morning. How about you? Huh? <laughs> I believe you're getting it now. If you would, grab your outline, something to write with, take some notes, and Thank you all for coming. If it's your first week, man, we're glad to have you with us. We want you to feel at home. I've met some of you, and what a joy it is to be able to uh, spend a few moments together and just kind of hear your story, what you're going through, and how God brought you to uh, Connections today, and, and uh, be, be at home, be welcome, and know you're here in the presence of the Lord and the presence of a lot of people that love Jesus and love people, and that's what Connections is all about, just, just doing what God's called us to do, right? Love Him, love each other, love His Word. That's the, the foundation of following Christ and, and discipleship. And and man, we're in the midst of our Nehemiah study, and what a, what a great study that always is. I love this, this book. I love Nehemiah, the, the character that he is, the man of God that he is. And as we hit chapter 6, incredibly, we see that the wall restoration project is about to cross the finish line. And today, we're talking about finishing strong and completing what God has called us to do and and he's going to get this done in record time uh under two months this project is going to be taken care of rebuilding the walls of jerusalem and restoring god's glory to that great city and what a what an amazing testimony this is and, and especially when you think about all the opposition that we've looked at over the last couple of weeks that came at them hard and heavy right and if you missed any of this study, please go back online and check it out. Re- recap what's went on. If you, if you just want to be refreshed in it and hear it again, do that. But but the last couple of weeks has been nothing but opposition. And the first week we looked at the opposition was from the outside. The enemy forces came at him. They wanted to stop what God was doing. And they came at him with everything they had. But Nehemiah would not be stopped. And then last week, where did the opposition come from? From the inside. From the people grumbling and complaining and and backbiting and frustrating and angry and upset and 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 turning on each other and man that division will destroy any group of people that it arises in no matter what it is a church a civic group a, a business or whatever when you got division when you got people turning on each other and treating each other in the wrong way then you're going to have a collapse at some point in time, if something isn't done to fix it. So, we've talked about these enemies that came at him the last couple of weeks and how Nehemiah, with the help of the Holy Spirit, was able to overcome everything that hell threw at him. Now, we're in chapter 6 this morning. So, if you have your Bibles, turn over there. And if you think they're finished, if you think the enemy said, well, we couldn't do it, we couldn't stop him, we're just going to give up, then you're sadly mistaken, huh? <laughs> Because we're going to find out today, they came at him one more time. As I mentioned, they wouldn't let up. They, they, just, they just had to try to stop this God project that, he, that, that Nehemiah was, was undertaking. And I want you to know something right now at this point in our time together this morning. And write this down somewhere. Finishing is crucial in life. Would you write that down? How many of you have been guilty like I have of starting a lot of projects A lot of things, a lot of of goals and and, and different aspirations that you set for yourself and you got off to a good start. But as you look back over your life, whether it be shorter or a little bit longer, you you realize that you did not finish all of those things that you kind of wanted to do or, or set out as a goal. You know, everybody can start, but the reality is very few people will stay in there and finish. Nehemiah was a finisher. Man, we've seen some great finishers in our day and time, and I just was thinking back on some of them this week. How many of you are New England Patriot fans in this room this morning? Oh, give it up for the Patriots. Like, only a few. Brandy's at home. She's at home with Olivia, who's sick. So, only a few of you, but I've got to admit, I'm not a Patriots fan, but Tom Brady is one of the greatest clutch players in the history of the NFL, Right? I mean, whether you love him or hate him, and most of you probably hate him, this guy's back here doing the thumbs down. He really doesn't like Tom Brady. The guy comes through in the clutch. I mean, he, any time on the clock, if they're down, you can almost guarantee it with, with the exception just a very few times that he has led his team down the field, scored a winning touchdown, field goal, whatever it may be. And how many Super Bowls do they have now? Six. I mean, that is incredible. He is he is very clutch. He is what we call a finisher, I think, in. in All of sports, the greatest finisher ever, has to be a young man who happens to be from the state of North Carolina. And I know all you Duke fans aren't going to like this, but you won your little ACC tournament. That's okay. We'll give you that one. Michael Jordan, the greatest of all time. And you talk about clutch at the end of the game. Who did you want the ball in the hands of was that guy. I mean, from the national championship in North Carolina when he hit the winning shot as a freshman and all throughout his pro career with the Chicago Bulls when he won championship after championship. I don't even want to hear LeBron's name when it comes to NBA and the greatest of all time because hands down, Michael Jordan is the man, right? Yeah, finisher. Finisher. I mean a guy just had something in that, that killer instinct that that would not be stopped. And when he when he put that tongue out, you knew you were in trouble, right? I mean, he was going to the hole strong. Didn't matter if all the Detroit Pistons tried to beat the tar out of him when he went to the basket. He was gonna get there somehow. Greatest of all time in sports in finishing. In Christian ministry, which is a whole lot more important than sports. A man by the name of Billy Graham. Whoo! You talk about a finisher. And we're not exalting him, but we're looking to him as someone, as a forerunner who, who said, hey, you know what? I'm going to do this thing right. I'm going to live with integrity. The man would not travel unless he had an entourage of people, of men, who would stay with him moment by moment so we would never be put in a situation that he would be tempted to compromise. The man did the things that God called him to do with integrity, with, with character, with class. And he lived with passion until he took his last breath here and breathed his first breath in heaven. He was a man who finished strong, who didn't let up at the end. Even in his, his waning health and, and, and deteriorating days, he still gave everything he could, every day he could, for the cause of Christ. Amen. You talk about a finisher. Mr. Billy Graham... Dr. Billy Graham was certainly that. And then when you look to the Bible, I think the greatest finisher of all time, without a doubt, was Jesus, our Lord and Savior. The Bible tells us, in going towards the cross, and knowing what his mission was, why he came to this earth, the Bible tells us that he set his face like a what? Like a flint, like a, a rock. He was solid, he was steady. He would not be deterred, even when his disciples said, hey, wait a minute, wait a minute. You don't want to do this. Let's set up a kingdom. You, you become the king and let's rule and reign here on earth. He knew that was not his destiny in that moment of history. He knew that the reason that he was on this earth, that God became flesh and dwelt among us was so that he could go to the cross of Calvary one day and stretch out his arms and give up his life to complete the job of redemption for everyone who would come to him. For salvation. And he did just that. As a matter of fact, the Bible tells us when he was hanging on that cross and drawing his last breaths here as, as God, man on earth, that he declared this to all of humanity. It is what? Finished. <laughs> you talk about a finisher. That's our savior. So when we come to the story of Nehemiah in this particular part of his account, chapter 6, We were going to see this morning for the next few moments that they are not finished trying to distract him from what God's called him to do and destroy the work that he's put his heart and everything into over the last 50-something days. And despite the distractions, Nehemiah, we find out, is going to finish strong. Now, we, we, we all know what distractions are all about, right? It seems like daily we encounter tons of distraction. How many of you remember the old television commercial where somebody's talking about something, all of a sudden, squirrel? Remember that got real popular? It's like, whoop, squirrel? You, just, you lose all train of thought and focus, and your, your attention is diverted somewhere. How many of you are like that? I, I know a handful of you are definitely like Spence. Thank you, buddy. <laughs> You'll be in a meeting with Spence, and we'll be talking about one thing, and then all of a sudden he's talking about four other things, just bam, 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 shotgun style. It's like, experience. whoop, time out. We, we can't keep up with you, bro. you got to k- slow down and, and, and get back to our pace. You know, you're doing something at work, man. you got your mind on that project. You're, you're, you're into it big time and working and working and working. And all of a sudden, something happens. You hear something on the radio. Maybe you got some music playing, and, and the DJ comes on and says, hey, you know, we're going to talk about uh, how, to, how to freshen your breath in, in you know three short steps. And you're like, what? Man, that sounds interesting. I'm just going to kind of listen to that for a while, and you kind of lose focus. Isn't it incredible how easily we can get distracted even when you're going in the kitchen to try to, you know, want to fix yourself a snack or whatever or something, and, and you get up and you, and you start heading to the kitchen, and the kitchen's not usually far from the living room, right? But in just those, you know, 5, 10, 15 steps or whatever, all of a sudden you get in there and you think to yourself, what did I come in here for again? Now, some people like to blame that on age. I don't like to do that. I used to like to think that sometimes we get easily distracted and we forget what we were doing, where we were going, and why, why we ended up in that room that we're in. Distractions are all around us. but I love this, this saying I came across this week. Distractions destroy action. That kind of rhymes, too. That's one of the reasons I like it. So if you want to write that down, that's okay. And there's, there's a little bit more that goes with it. Distractions destroy action. If it's not moving you towards your purpose, leave it alone. Don't you love that? Just... Just remove yourself from it. Stay away from it. I also love this one. Starve your distractions and feed your focus. Pretty good stuff, huh? They come at us from all sides in many different forms in our daily lives. But what Nehemiah is dealing with as he's finishing this project, this God assignment that was given to him from God himself is some fairly serious distractions that he's got to overcome. And I want to look at those right now for a few moments because there's a lot that we can glean from chapter 6 in in finding out what happened with Nehemiah towards the completion of the project. He faced three final attacks, and they're there on your outline. And the first one is simply this. They tried the why-can't-we-be-friends approach. You, You remember that song? Why can't we be friends? Why can't we be friends? That's all I know of it. I, you know, that, that was the, the one part I, I kind of picked up on. So allow me to share something with you. And, and, and you're going to want to jot this down too and, and really remember this. We need to watch out because not everyone trying to befriend us actually wants to be our friend. Have <laughs> you, you learned that the hard way? Some people just want to pump you for information. It's kind of funny. I've, I've known some people like that. I've had some people like that in my family right now that, that you won't hear from. They'll treat you like a dog. They'll, they'll talk about you behind your back. They'll, they'll just, you know, on and on and on those bad things. And all of a sudden, now the will come, hey, Rob, how's it going? Man, you're looking good. You're working out. You know, everything good. Man, why don't we go catch up sometime, grab some lunch and hang out? Man, I miss us. And I'm like, my alarm's just like going crazy. I'm like, mm mm. You want something. you want some information, you want something you want to borrow some money. anybody know that one? You, you, you want something because you sure don't want my friendship treating me like a dog like you. Well, I, you know, our dog is, is like royalty in our family. I, I need to stop saying that. Our dog has it made. We go out and work and work and work. She lives in a lap of luxury, just sleeps all day. We feed her like great stuff, and you know so they treat you terribly. But when they come around, so be careful because not everyone trying to befriend you actually wants to be your friend. And that's what Nehemiah is running into right now. Because they send this invitation to him starting in verse 2 of chapter 6. And let me find that real quick. It says that Sambalot, Geshem, and Geshem sent to me saying, come, let us meet together along the villages in the plain of Ono. But they thought to do me harm. So I sent messengers to them saying, you got to mark this in your Bible. You ever do that? You ever highlight stuff, underline it, circle it, all that kind of stuff, like whoop, 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 don't miss this. Here's what he says. I cannot come down because I am doing a great work. Then he goes on and says in verse 3, why should the work cease while I leave it and come down to you? But they sent me this message four times, and I answered them in the same manner. Man, do you get that? They're like, come on, pal, we want to hang out. Listen, I know we've had our differences. I know we've had some back and forth and hard times, and a little bit of conflict and arguing and, you know, that kind of stuff. But, hey, let's just bury the hatchet. so to speak. I, I, I'm reading between the lines here because I think that's the approach that they're using. And, and they're coming to him using a little bit of, of flattery and friendship and invitation. And let's just, let's just go hang out. But see, here's the real deal that's happening. Don't miss this. They are trying to get him to come down from the work that God has called him to do. And, and, and those types of distractions can come in, in, in an all-out attack, which they tried a, a couple of weeks ago we looked at, and just, uh, uh, you know, telling him, we're, we're coming after you, we're going to kill you, we're going to destroy you, we're going to do whatever it takes. Or it can come in, in flattery. There's this thing that God's people have to develop in their lives called discernment. <laughs> the ability to say, Holy Spirit, what is this? God, teach me, tell me, show me what this is. Is this legit? Is this you or is it not? Because you know what? I don't want to make a mistake. I don't want to cross the line. I don't want to do anything that's going to harm my walk with you, God. So help me here. And automatically, Nehemiah knew this was not a godly move for him to make. To stop what he's doing, come down off of this project and go meet with him. And so he tells them four different times, not going to happen. Put stand firm under this section. Nehemiah was a man of prayer and discernment. He knew that they wished to harm him. And he was not going to allow anything to distract him from the assignment that God has given him. He realized something that we as God's people have to get a hold of here too. And I don't want you to miss this. That we are to be doing great work. How do you look at your life? How do you look at your time here on this planet called earth? Just to work four or five or six or eight days a week and, and pay your bills and survive and just get along and get by and, and do the best you can? Do you look at your life like that? Or rather, do you view your life as an assignment, as, a, as an opportunity, as a, as a moment, as an appointment in history that you are here, that God And his infinite wisdom said, hey, you know what? I need a Dana. I need a Tim. I need a Mark. I need a John. I need a Bill. I need a Zach. I need you. I need you for this appointed time in history to be on this planet called Earth to make an impact for my great kingdom and my great name. I need you to shine bright my love and my light because you are going to rub shoulders with people that Robert Thompson never will. Scott Hay never will. Terry will never do that. You need to go and you need to be me to those people. I am a assigning you for this great work in this moment in history so that you can go and be all of that to those people i am assigning you for something greater than what you could ever imagine for yourself there's little small goals that you set they just don't compare with the big stuff that i've got in mind for you the great work that is yours how do you see yourself Nehemiah was a man who grabbed a hold of that reality and that truth. In, in verse 3, he said, I am carrying on a great work and cannot come down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and come down to meet with you? Are you doing a great work? Have you caught on to what God has, your purpose here on this planet for? Are you living in that destiny that God has created for you? So, let me ask you this. Are you staying on the wall and working diligently? Or have you fallen for the deception of the enemy and have been distracted and you've kind of come down from your assignment and you're, you're, you're just getting so far off track that, that you don't even know why you're here anymore? I, I meet people like that just about every week that are drifting, they, they, they've moved so far from where, where God has, has them. And, and even fallen for, for deceptive doctrine and, and, and false teaching and, and, and things that are contrary to God's word. And man, it breaks my heart. Because that's how easy it can happen if we just give the enemy a small opening say, "Well, you know what? I, I think I'm doing a-, a 15 minute break. Union rules say that we need to get a 15 minute break every you know every three hours and, and a 30 minute lunch, you know once a day, if we work more than six hours, eight hours, whatever the rules are now. So yeah, ne- Nehemiah is probably thinking, uh, 15 minutes, I'll give you that. We might, might not can make it over to Ono in that amount of time, but we'll go over here to the side and just kind of set up a little picnic table and hang out a few minutes and and yeah, I can give you that. No. Look at me, church. He was a man who understood that he could not deviate from the plan that God had for his life and the work that he had assigned him. And so, therefore, when they came at him with these offers to come in a friendly manner and just just meet with us and just let's talk about this, he knew it for what it was. A distraction. And if we will get a hold of this reality. Distractions can be very deadly. And it's going to help us moving forward in our, our walk with Christ. God's called every one of us to a great task. Every believer in Christ... To be witnesses of him in this lost and dark and dying world. To serve him on the front lines. That is our calling. And this means standing firm when times get tough and distractions are flying at us from all sides. I know people that don't go to church much. Because they get pulled. I, there are people, this is St. Patty's Day if you will. <laughs> I know that's stupid but it just kind of hit me. I, you know, and I even wore some green. My wife said, you better wear a green. All them people in the church would just love to probably pinch you. And I was like, oh, yeah, well, I don't think so. But they might want to hit me sometimes. I don't know about the pinching part. But anyway, you'll be amazed at how many people are out bar to, bar to bar to bar to bar today. Getting as drunk as they can. I want to tell you something. I don't need that. We get in here together as a family or I'm on my own with Christ and I'm drunk in the spirit. I'm allowing the, the, the power of God, the, the flow of the Holy Spirit, that, that anointing, that love, that, that, that spirit that can't be duplicated by the things of this world. That can't be duplicated by squeezing some fermented grapes and getting a little bit of juice out of that and letting that do something to you because that's going to wear off. And that's going to mess you up. You might run your, your car into a tree or into a house. You might kill some innocent person. But you're amazed at how many people today are going to go from bar to bar to bar to bar to bar. Partying it up. Trying to find what we already know cannot be matched by this world. The high that the Holy Spirit gives us. When we seek him. There are distractions that come at us. And next, on your outline number two, we see that they lie and drag his name through the mud. Verses 5 through 9. Follow along as I read here. It says, Then Sambalot sent his servant to me as before a fifth time with an open letter in his hand, and it was, in it was written these words, It is reported among the nations and Geshem, saying that you and the Jews plan to re- rebel. Therefore, according to these rumors, write that word down somewhere, You are rebuilding the wall, that you may be their king, and you have also appointed prophets to proclaim concerning you at Jerusalem, saying, there is a king in Judah now. Now these matters will be reported to the king or Texas, and so come, therefore, and let us consult together. You see what's going on here? They're lying about him now. They're saying, hey, guess what? If you don't do what we want you to do and come and sit down and meet with us, it went from friendly to kind of, you know, bribing threatening. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to spread this what? This rumor, this lie, this deception that you are trying to set yourself up to overthrow the king. And there's going to be a rebellion that's going to take place. And you are leading the charge on that. And you are going to be in big trouble. And the king's going to come after you to put you to death. Because that's that's what happens to people who try to rebel against kings, right? They try to have, have them executed. The power of rumors. I want to tell you when I went through my toughest season of life many years ago and my wife left and and everything just kind of went went through a really dark season. I would hear things about me and say, wow, when did I do that? (laughs) What? I I did... (laughs) I don't remember, but, you know, I, I could have been asleep when it happened. I, I don't know. But rumors are so incredible. They, they travel so much faster than, than truth and good news. People love that juicy bit of stuff. That's why these, you know, Maury Povich shows and all these crazy, you know, Jerry Springer stuff and all that drama and, and lies and rumor and innuendos and all that stuff. That's why it's so popular in our society. That's why social media has just so many people on there just, just talking out of their heads and making up crazy stuff and throwing stuff out and slinging mud at people and, and denigrating others and all that kind of stuff because people thrive on that. You know, the funny thing is, this is thousands of years old. This is not something that's just happened in the last 10 or 15 years. Oh, this has been going on since the beginning of time. In the garden, Satan came to Eve and said, did, did God really say you couldn't eat from that? I mean, there's deception. There's a lie. Yeah, and, and it just keeps on perpetuating and, and on and on and on. That's why, that's why our society is in kind of the mess it's in right now because in large part due to people loving lies. Rumors, spreading gossip. Nehemiah wouldn't allow himself to be distracted by any of this. The Bible tells us he refuses to get drawn into a pointless argument which would have distracted him from his main assignment. Nehemiah instead simply dismisses the claim, and this is what he says in verse 8 nothing like what you are saying is happening. You're just making it up out of your heads. In other words, he's saying, You're lying. That's not the case. I don't want to be king. I am here building this wall. Here's a here's good way to deal with distraction, church. And watch this. Anytime all this junk, these lies, these deceptions, anything they want to throw at you comes your way, bring them back to the main point. Bring up bring them back to the truth. Bring them back to reality. Always come back to truth. Always point your finger at truth. Always come back to the center of things and say, nope, that's not it at all. I'm building a wall. Nope. I don't care what you say. God's called me to build a wall. Nope. I don't care how you lie about me. God's called me to build a wall. Nope. I don't care what you want to do. You guys can go and have a conference. You can go and have a seminar. You can go have a sit down. You can go have a siesta. You can go and eat burritos together. I don't care. I'm building this wall and I will not come down for anything, anything, anything at all. Nothing. Bring it back to truth, to your assignment, to your purpose, to your destiny. Gossip and rumors can be very damaging, dangerous, and deadly, which is why before we say anything or write anything, we should always think, and you've probably heard this, is it true? Is it helpful? Is it inspiring? Is it necessary? And is it kind? Is it true? Is it helpful? Is it inspiring? Is it necessary? Is it kind? He realized their strategy was to make him afraid, but he refused to give in to fear because that's what they were were wanting to do. We're going to tell the king that you're trying to overthrow him. He's going to send people to stop that and stop you. You ever had somebody try to put you in that prison of fear? we just declared in song in, in this anthem just a few moments ago, chains fall, fear gone. That's why, that's why we sing. That's why we declare the truth of God's word in song and, and, and anthems and, and just let it rain and just let it pour from our hearts. Because why? Look at me. We need to remind ourselves. Come, come Wednesday afternoon when you've been battling all through kind of different things this week and all hell's broke out against you. You need to just remind yourself, chains fall, fear is gone. Healing comes when Jesus is in the picture and he's in my life, and all these things are are gone in the name of Jesus and they don't belong in my life. Nehemiah was a man, he was probably up there working on the wall, just fear, gone, chains fall, prisons, doors open, and he was just reminding himself. And when this deception came at him and these enemies tried one more time to threaten him and put fear in his life, he said, I don't care. I know in whom I believe, and he has my back, and I don't have to be afraid. Some variation of do not be afraid and do not fear is in the Bible 365 times. Does that ring a bell? How many days would there be in a typical normal year? 365. One reminder for each day. We don't have to be afraid. We don't have to fear. The reason we don't worry is because God is faithful and just. Do you believe that? Lastly today, and desperately, they try to bully him. In verses 10 through 14, it says, Afterward, I came to the house of Shemaiah, the son of Deliah, and the son of Methabul, who was a secret informer, and he said, Let us meet together in the house of God within the temple, and let us close the doors of the temple, for they are coming to kill you indeed. At night they will come to kill you. And I said, should, should such a man as I flee? Whoo! You need to write that down. And if you're a woman, you write, right. should such a woman as I run? <laughs> such a man as I flee? Do you hear what Nehemiah is saying? Is the last attempt to, to get him off that wall is they're coming after you. You need to go into the house, of, you need to go into the temple with me and let's, let's hide out in there. And, and Nehemiah said, no, I'm not going to run. And who is there such as I who would go into the temple to save his life? I will not go in. Then I perceived that God had not sent him at all, that's a discernment, but that he pronounced this prophecy against me because Tobiah and Sambalot had hired him. They had hired him to lie for them. For this reason he was hired that I should be afraid and act, the way, act that way in sin so that they might have cause for an evil report, that they might reproach me. Listen to this, verse 14. My God, remember Tobiah and Sambalot, according to these, their words, and the prophecy of the prophetess no- Noadiah and the rest of the prophets who would have made me afraid. Wow. One last attempt. Here's something i put on your outline. People of real faith in our real God Don't hide. We just don't hide. It sounds reasonable, but Nehemiah sees through their plot. To run in the temple would have not only undermined his authority as a leader, but it would have been in violation to God's law because God's law at that time said only priests were allowed in the temple. And although Shemaiah uses religious talk, Nehemiah sees right through it. Shemaiah is a false prophet on Sambalot's payroll. Listen, we we all know people that come to us in that religious jargon and say, I need to share a prayer request with you, brother. Sister, you got a minute for me to to share something that's heavy on my heart that we we, we need some help praying about? And then here comes the the, the stuff. Same thing here. He uses religious jargon to try to get Nehemiah off the wall. But, But in Jack Nicholson's famous words, You want me on that wall. You need me on that wall. I'm not leaving. I am not coming down. God's put me up here for this great work. Thank you. Jojo's the only one that got that. A few good men. Okay, there's a few. I got you. Listen, I love Nehemiah's response again. Should a man like me run away? Or should someone like me go into the temple to save his life? I will not go. I will not go despite the threats, the intimidation. Nehemiah chooses to trust God. Listen to me, church. Trusting God is simply believing that he loves you. I just want to stop right there for a moment. Some of you are sitting in this room and watching outside of this room right now. And you've listened to the lies of the enemy long enough that God doesn't love you. Loves everybody else but you. That's that's the kind of crazy stuff he comes up with. Look how he's blessed them. Look how he's poured his favor out on them, but not you. Look at all you have to go through. He's, he's rejected you. He's pushed you to the side. God doesn't really love you. Listen, God loves you. He sent his son, Jesus, just for you, for every one of us. He loves you with an everlasting love. If you read through the Bible on love, you'll find out scripture after scripture, truth after truth about the love of God towards you. That's been poured out in abundance. Not just a little trickle. Not just a little dab. Not just a little sprinkle. Man, God just ushers his love all over you and just pours it in a wave after wave like an ocean coming in. It, It washes over every one of us. But when we listen to the enemy's lies that we are not loved by God, we can miss that. Trusting God is simply believing that he loves you, that he's good, that he has power to help us. That he wants to help you and he will He will always be there to help us. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 tells us this. Trust in the Lord with all your what? All your heart and lean not to your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path. Listen, Nehemiah faced a lot of opposition. Matter of fact, this last three weeks now, that's that's all we've, we've looked at is wave after wave after wave of attacks. And as you close your eyes right now for just a moment as we finish this time in our service, I firmly believe that many of you listening right now can relate to that in, in, in a lot of ways. You, you feel like you've just been wave after wave after wave of, of attack, 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 attack. It's beating you up. It's, it's beating you down. You, you've been in a a pretty tough place, and I believe that seeing all of these folks come and gather around the altar just a few minutes ago is indicative of that, that, that chains needed to be broken and, and needed to be falling at your feet, and, and and prisons doors need to be opened up. Listen to this: because Nehemiah stood firm, did not give in to fear, and trusted God, the walls were completed in record time. Nehemiah and his people did in 52 days through God's help what no one had managed to do in 94 years, and that was to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Even his enemies recognized that this great work had been done with God's great help. Here's what I want you to get before we pray. If God can use Nehemiah to set right a 94-year-old problem in less than two months, then what can God do through you and me? As God's people, we can stand firm because Jesus is always with us. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed for just a moment, how many of you say, you know what, i got a problem. It seemed like it's been there for 94 years, but it's just been relentless. I've got a situation. I've got something in my life that I need to truly trust God with. Maybe it is your life. Maybe it's it's your salvation. Maybe you haven't fully and completely surrendered your life to Him and said, God, you take the wheel, you take the the boat, you take the car, you take the whole vessel, God. I'm taking my hands off of my life. I've done enough damage. And I'm surrendering to you. I, I don't know. Maybe it's that that situation with a with a relationship. Maybe it's something in in, in worry, stress, anxiety. I don't know. Maybe it's just a, a thought life. Maybe it's an addiction. I don't know. But you're you're saying, listen, I'm not gonna be afraid anymore. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna step out and truly trust God. I'm gonna truly trust God today. With your eyes closed for just another moment, if that's you in this room, would you just raise your hand and say, hey, Pastor, pray for me? I am gonna truly trust God today with that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Who else? Just raise your hands. Say, that's me, Pastor. Thank you. Yes, ma'am. How many others? Just raise your hand. That's me. I'm going to trust God today completely with that. Thank you. As a matter of fact, would you folks just stand where you're at right now all over this room? Hands that were raised, would you just stand? Would you take that next step and stand right now? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And here's what I want you to do is as you're standing right now. And those, who else just says, you know what? I need to trust God today with something in my life that, that I've been battling and I don't I don't want to be afraid. I don't, I don't want to give in to distractions. I, I just want my focus to be laser like I want to set my face like a flint, like like Jesus did going towards the cross and not be swayed and not be moved. Anybody else in this room? Maybe you just need healing in your 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 body, your emotions, something something that's been plaguing you and causing all kind of, of issues. I don't know what it is, but here's what I want to ask now if, if you guys that are standing if you just come and stand right here with me for just a moment up at the front of this this church so to speak because we want to pray with you and over you this morning Pastor Scott Terry Joseph So our ladies would you just come now as well and gather around these these incredible people that are taking this big step to just hand this over to God and trust Him and remove the distractions. There's one more area that just I can't get away from. Some of you n- know the purpose and the calling that God has on your life and you've struggled and you've kind of taken your eyes off, off of that. You've taken your eyes off of Him somewhat and y- you've kind of wavered in in your assignment and what God has called you to and right now you're kind of kind of out here in this outer lane struggling pretty, pretty good with some things today's your day today's your day to confirm your purpose put your eyes completely on Christ say Lord I'm not coming off this wall if, if that's something that's been happening in your life would you just come down here and join us as well we want to pray for you in these closing moments of this time would you you come and join your family here and guys would you to begin to pray for these folks that are up front here as i pray over all of us as god's doing the work and would you just stand to your feet all across this room and if you're not up here at least stretch your hands this way and be a part of this ministry time for what god's doing with these incredible men and women lord we love you <laughs> God. We're, we're just learning how to love you still Regardless of whether we've walked with you for 30 years or 3 days, we're we're always learning how to love you more. How to grow in your love and your your mercy and your grace and your goodness and your power and your majesty, God. Thank you for that, Lord. We're learning how to trust you, God. Trust isn't easy for many of us in this room and outside of this room because it's it's been violated too many times it's been been broken too often and, and, and Lord we've been through some some hellish experiences with trust with giving our hearts away and, and really going all in on, on the table and, and God people not following through Maybe we've been the ones that didn't follow through. Maybe we've broken trust, God. But whatever the case may be, God, trust is not easy for many of us. And today we're just asking you to heal that in us, God, that you would restore that, that you would teach us how to trust again, God, that you are trustworthy in all your ways, God. You are not a man that you would lie, God. We can believe you. We can pour our whole selves into you and onto to you, God. We can trust you completely. I just pray that you restore that and renew that within our hearts and lives today that these folks that have gathered here at the front would just surrender that. Allow your Holy Spirit to come in and bring a revival of trust. God, for those that are trusting you to be their Savior right now, we just thank you for forgiveness of sins and restoration and redemption that you purchased at Calvary's Cross to, to wash us clean and make us new to transform us, God, to, to, to God, bring us into your family as sons and daughters of the Most High God. Thank you for that gift of salvation. Thank you for that gift of a purpose, God, that we have. So, Lord, we pray for those that have struggled and maybe taken their eyes off and and lost their focus of who and what they are and whose they are. But, Lord, you're restoring that right now and all these issues that come at us to try to pull us away from where we are supposed to be and what we're supposed to be about. God, help us to see those for what they are. Give us discernment, Lord. Give us discernment in the name of Jesus to recognize the lies and the deception of the enemy. God, I thank you. I thank you for showing up big. And if you would just raise your hands to the Lord right now all across this room. I thank you that you love us with an everlasting love. And as we lift our hands, God, we lift our hearts to you. And we say, come, Lord, and fill our lives fresh and new, God. As we prepare to worship you right now, one more time in song, God, we just pray that you be glorified, God. You be lifted up, that our focus is on you, God. That we, we, we get lost in, in the things of our life, just diminish, God, in the presence of the King. We love you for who you are and thank you with everything that we are in Jesus' name today. In Jesus' name today. And everybody said together, amen. Would you hug a couple people and let's worship God in this place today. Thank you for tuning into this week's message. For more information about Connections Church, you can go to connectionschurch.church or follow us on Facebook and Instagram.